I'm not going to preach today on 1 Corinthians. And I'm, I want to say that uh, it's not unimportant. It's extremely important in terms of uh, Paul's understanding of things. But, um, and I have to add further, I hope all of you labor to avoid fornication. But the, uh, there are, it, 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 that's Episcopalian 101 territory, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 12 to 20. So what I do want to speak about is a little introduction to the season of Epiphany that we began last Sunday. Uh, to say some things about what's ahead in the coming Sundays, but also to say that the focus of the readings today mainly uh, is on vocation and its nature. So I'm going to speak about the nature of vocation, how it has been understood in the tradition with a capital T, what are we called to, and how does our vocation connect with the mission of the church. Epiphany is, uh, are the Sundays after Epiphany proper, and normally Epiphany occurs in the week sometimes between either the first or second Sunday of Christmas and the first Sunday of Epiphany, which is uh, usually the story in the West and always has been of the baptism of Jesus. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, Epiphany begins on Epiphany proper with the baptism of Jesus. And then the Sunday after is the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry. So we understand something a step before, which is the baptism, and then the public ministry is now going to begin after that. And so one of the reasons we do this, and certainly it's important for Episcopalians in the last 40 years is that there has been a, a great re-emphasis on the centrality and the importance of baptism and the sacrament of baptism. Not just understood as cosmic spot remover, but as something that begins our vocations. And it has something to do with vocation. This cycle of reading, cycle B, we read mainly from Mark's Gospel. And so last Sunday you heard Mark's version of Jesus' baptism. And the reason I wanted to preach about vocation is that Mark's version is different from the other two, from, from uh, Matthew and Luke, in this way. When Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan by John in Mark's gospel, he comes up out of the water and there's a voice from heaven, just as there is from Matthew and Luke. But in Mark's gospel, the voice is heard only by Jesus, by no one else. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Not this is my beloved son, with who I am well pleased. And the, the difference is this. Uh, in Matthew and Luke, the voice is directed, if you want to use this terminology, to the whole church, to us, as well as Jesus. And in Mark's gospel, it's addressed to Jesus, and it constitutes for him an internal uh, affirmation of what his vocation is going to be. 
And I belabor this because when we think about our vocation, what we're called to do comes from a Latin word, vocation. Vocare means to call or to summon. And so Samuel heard in today's reading uh, a summons, a call from God. And he was, he was frightened by that call, didn't know what to do with it. And it took several before uh, he responded to the call. So vocation has something to do with how we understand uh, what we're going to do with our life. Certainly during the time of the writing of the Old Testament books, like 1 Samuel, uh, vocation had something to do with the call of the prophets of Israel. That they were called to do a certain exercise, a certain prophetic office in the church. By the Middle Ages, the way Western Christians understood vocation was in terms of being a monk or a nun or a priest or a bishop or a deacon. It was clericalized in the sense that we understood vocation in religious terms. During the Reformation, Luther and Calvin said that vocation is not just, uh, does not just refer to uh, religious vocation. It, occur, it, it, it relates to the ordinary duties of everyday life. That was the understanding, really, of the early church, say up to about 700, 600. That somehow vocation needs to be understood in broader terms. And for Christians who understand baptism is the moment that we begin this journey, sacramentally, but also vocationally, it has to do with how we understand what we do in ordinary life. Not just to decide to become a monk or a nun or a priest, but that we have a role to play and a vocation to live out, to be God's people in the world. But it also has something to do with what we decide to do in our ordinary and commonplace life. The Second Vatican Council in the Roman Catholic Church in the 1960s said that we need to understand vocation in a broader sense than we have been accused of understanding it. And in one point uh, in, the, in the workings of the, of the uh, council, uh, they have the statement, God ratifies all good choices and works all of them together for the kingdom. And what that means is, is that what you do, not in religious terms, what you do is important. And you can be an instrument of God's work in the world through what it is you do. We say that your baptism empowers you to do this. It gives you the spirit of God. God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen you. And so you have a vocation. <coughs> and that means that you're part of now, <coughs> excuse me, the mission of the church. Some, <coughs> sometimes you can ask a lot of people, what does... What is the mission of the church? And some people who may have been to Bible class or uh, something or come from a tradition where this is repeated over and over will say, the mission of the church is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. That's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. And so we're to be the instruments of that mission. And embedded in that statement, there, it has something to do with the importance and the necessity of reconciliation. That Christian people are to be reconcilers. When I was in seminary, there was a magazine that was published in the South called Catelegate. And it was written by uh, Christians in the Reformed tradition, not Episcopalians, or some, not many, uh, or Roman Catholics, but it was written by people who were Baptists and, you know, Methodists and people from, from that tradition, men and women from the South, mostly white. And most of the, the, the essays had something to do with uh, the civil rights movement and the difficulties that were going on in terms of reconciliation and the necessity for reconciliation and speaking about what is necessary with regard to being a reconciler. The spiritual life is the whole of life, body, soul, mind, spirit given to God in love. That's what Thomas Merton said. And it has something to do with the importance of being a reconciler. And you always hear me say, we, we're not talking here about the necessity for everyone to engage in some heroic behavior. You know, sometimes we may need to and should. But it has to do with how we uh, bring people together in conversation. I don't think there's... Every age, uh, it seems urgent, but we're in a, some urgent stuff now, you know? We need to have a big conversation in the United States over freedom of speech and what it means. Because we haven't got that sorted. And they certainly haven't got it sorted in France or Germany or anywhere else. So we need to begin to think about what that means. And we still need to have the conversation uh, uh, continued to have the conversation about race. So part of vocation has something to do also with um, being in a position where necessary to speak the truth to power. That's what young Samuel went through. He, he get, kept getting this, hearing these voices. And he went in and told the priest Eli that he's been hearing these voices. And, you know, the first reaction is, go back to bed. Don't be upset. And so it happened two or three times. And finally, Eli says to Samuel, this time you tell the voice, I'm here. I'm listening. And the voice tells Samuel that Eli and his sons at the shrine are engaging in bad and corrupt behavior and that he, God is not pleased and there's going to be a day of reckoning. So he goes back and he sees Eli and he said, well, I'm here and I've heard the voice. And so he said, well, tell me what it said. And he prevaricated and he said, listen, you're going to get it if you don't tell me everything about what you heard. 
And so Samuel tells him and doesn't spare anything. He said, you're in big trouble and plenty of it. And Samuel didn't flinch. And from then it says he became a prophet in Israel and none of his words fell to the ground. Everybody listened. And he will be the one, of course, that will anoint King David and inaugurate the great days of Israel. So sometimes we have to do this. Sometimes we have to say those things. In the case of the gospel, Jesus calls Philip, and Philip begins his vocation, and through Philip he calls Nathaniel, who also decides to follow him. You know, we have to be careful about this in some way because uh, we, we, uh, we can listen to good voices and we can listen to bad voices. And we can do things that aren't good for us or good for other people because we've been doing the wrong thing, you know. Alan Jones, in a recent YouTube video, talked about Dante and about how some of the doctrines of the church, he's speaking, of course, in the Middle Ages, but it's true even now, or some of the pronouncements of so-called godly people is a bella menzogna, a beautiful lie. And so we need to be able to think about sorting that. But that's part of the vocational process. And today, in the readings, we've learned something uh, about the importance of that. This week, uh, think about how you can be a reconciler sometimes. You know, reconciliation isn't giving people advice about how they have to change their mind. It's being free to engage in a conversation where both people are listened to equally. And so teaching yourself how to do that as part of your Christian vocation is uh, not easy. It's easy to say and hard to do. But the goal, of course, is that then you become or can become a transparency of God's grace and love. And that probably is one of the greatest vocations of all. Amen.